need a battery on this thing, dude. to Metro Praise, everybody. Welcome to Metro Praise, everybody. How you guys doing? I said, how you guys doing? Make some noise in this place. Here we go. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. We're going to make it weird. Look at your neighbor say, we're going to make it weird. <laughs> we're going to make it weird, guys. You know those those weirdo fanatic Christians that are like everyone's talking about that they're just so weird. Yeah, that's us. Uh, thank you for coming. Here we go. Everyone, just get out of your seat. Just you know, I always see I always see Nick there. I always see you there. I always see Monique there, and I love that. You know, it's cool. We, we, we kind of like this uh, this thing. But everyone, just get you know, forget about that. We have forget that we have seats. Yeah, if you're in a, if you're in a row, just get out of get out of your row. Yeah, I, yeah, please. Here you go. Here's a worship leader. Here's a worship leader trying to lead you guys. Get out of your row. General, sir, with, your, with the white shirt, please. Yeah, I don't want to call you guys out, but just get out of your row. All right, here you go. Nice, very nice. Now, just kind of approach us. Kind of approach us. Yeah, like, yes. Like, just kind of approach. Come on. Approach. I'm not going to stop saying until, like, everyone's up here. Approach. 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 Just grab your neighbor to say approach. Approach. Yes. All right. Now, okay, so we got about 60% of you. Thank you very much. Here we go. Well, we got more than that. Maybe about, yeah. Very good. This is what we're going to do. Put your hands over your head. All right. This is where it starts to get fun. And clap like this. Yeah. All right. I'm feeling this now. Yes. It's time to get excited. It's time to praise him. Are y'all ready? Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. With a voice of triumph. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Come on, make some noise. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with the voice of Christ. In 
new. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout out to God with a voice of triumph. Oh, you guys ready to shout? Shout out to God. One, two, three, shout! For the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. For the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. For the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. For the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. Okay, I think I think we got your attention now, right? I think we're praising Him pretty good. But I think we can go to another level. How about you? Do you guys think we can go to another level? Rosa, come here, Rosa. Come here, come up here. Come up here, yes. Don't be shy now. I saw her dancing. See, this woman here, she's free. All right, she's been set free, and she knows it. So if you know it, if you've been set free, see, once we were slaves, the Bible said, but now we are free, and who the sun sets free is free indeed. I don't know about you, but when you're free, you just don't kind of stand there like, oh, I was a slave, and I guess I'm free now. Here, let me clap. No, we're going to dance. We're going to shout. We're going to party because we're free. Amen. Somebody get excited, please. Are we free in this place? Here we go. So whatever she's doing, you're going to do. Are you guys ready? Yeah, so yeah. Here we go. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout out to God. Woo! And oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout out to God with a voice of triumph. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout out to God with a voice of triumph. Woo! For the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. For the Lord is good. And His mercy endures forever. For the Lord is good. And His mercy endures forever. For the Lord is good. And His mercy endures Sing hallelujah. 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 Halle, hallelujah, halle, hallelujah, halle, hallelujah. Halle, hallelujah, halle, hallelujah, halle, hallelujah. Okay, we're almost there, guys. We're like at the cusp. All right? We're at the cusp, and I'm starting to feel joy. So we're just going to break through right now. Amen? Just break through, man. Forget about everything else. Forget about what you look like. Because some of y'all look silly, but I love it. Just worship him and dance. I want you guys to just start leading each other in dances. Ready? Here we go. Say, Halle, Hallelujah, 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 Halle, Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on again. 
hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. For the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. For the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. For the Lord is good and his mercy endures. Come on, lift up your hands and sing that. For the Lord is good and his mercy endures. One more time, say that. For the Lord is good and his mercy. Sing hallelujah. Halle, hallelujah. Halle, hallelujah. Halle, hallelujah. Halle, hallelujah. Halle, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Just the drums. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, wave your hands. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody shout praises. Hallelujah, Lord. We exalt your mighty name. We exalt your mighty name, Jesus. You are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be praised. Just praise him, praise him, praise him in this place. Praise him, praise him. God, your people praise you. Your people praise you, praise you. We exalt you, Lord. You're holy, you're holy. You are awesome, God. You're awesome, Lord. You're awesome, Jesus. It's all about you today. It's all about you today. Come on, somebody praise him. It's all about you today. It's all about you, God. You are worthy. You are worthy, you are worthy, you're worthy, yes, you're worthy, your people praise you, you're worthy, your people praise you, you're worthy, your people praise you, Holy Spirit, you are worthy, Father, you are worthy, Son, you are worthy, Hallelujah, 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 Lord, hallelujah, Lord, hallelujah, Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let our praises entertain you, God. Let our praises please you, Lord. We don't please man, we don't please anyone else but you. Oh, God, let our praises please you, Lord Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Your people praise you, Lord. 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 Breakthrough, Lord! Breakthrough! Your people praise you because you're holy. Not because we want anything.
but to please you, Lord. That's all we want to do, God. We don't seek your hand. We seek your face, Lord. We want to know you. We want to know you. Hallelujah, God. your presence I love I love I love your presence I love I love I love you up your hands and sing that today. I love 
so much stuff just gets in the way and a lot of it is just our stuff it's our thinking it's our history it's our past it's our struggles it's our it's all about what you know what we're going through but today God wants to penetrate through that he wants to cut right through and he's telling you today just let go of all that stuff. 
Release it. Release it, says the Lord. Let go and feel my love for you. So with hands raised up high, just tell the Lord what you're letting go of today. Just tell the Lord of all those things that sometimes just get in the way. And as you do that, just feel his presence. Feel his love. Feel him covering you. Because I love, I love. I love you, Jesus. I love, I love. I love you, Jesus. you're truly here you're truly here right now you're in our midst you're in our hearts it's you who you worship just hold the hand of your neighbor right now if you can we're gonna pray for each other and if all you can say is Lord bless my neighbor then just pray that but as we play I want us to pray Father God, you are awesome, Lord. You are holy. You are righteous and true. You are the creator of the heavens and the earth. You, O Lord, set your church apart to be holy, blameless before you. You, O Lord, forgave our sins, Jesus, when you died on the cross and you rose again on the third day. You, O Lord, sent your Holy Spirit to indwell every believer, baptizing us in fire, baptizing us in flame. You, O Lord, make us right before you. Now we can stand before the throne. We can sing praises. We can sing glory. We are boldly before the throne. Now we say, Lord, bless your people. Bless your people today. Bless us, God. Be with us, Lord. Be with us, Lord. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Just give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Glory, Jesus. You're awesome, Lord.
lift up your hands right now and praise Him. Praise you, Lord. Oh, Lord, change us. Mold us, Lord. Mold us, Lord. We are putty in your hands, God. We are putty in your hands, Lord. Transform us, God. And all I wanted you to have your way. You are the Yeah. 
There's something about when we get on our knees. There's something about when we humble ourselves before a holy God. There is something about us just prostrating before the Lord and saying, God, we don't have it all figured out. We don't know it all, Lord, but all we know, Lord, is that you revealed yourself to us through your Son and your Holy Spirit. And Lord, that apart from you, we can do nothing. So if you're physically able today, just get on your knees if you can. If you're physically able, just get on your knees and tell the Lord that you want to surrender it all to him. That you're not holding back. That you want to give your life completely to him. That your life itself is an offering to the Lord.
Pronouncing that, I'm sure I am. Izari, Irizari, I should know by now, right? Come on. This family wants to dedicate to the Lord. Let's get you guys up on the stage. Come on up here, Cynthia. This is your sister and your uh, niece and nephew. Here's William. Come on, the uncle. Come on up here, family. Hallelujah. We want to dedicate. You could just stand on this side. We want to dedicate to the Lord today, this beautiful baby. And as we're dedicating her, our, the mother asked that we dedicate the son. Is that right? You want to give him to Jesus? Amen. Don't be shy. It's okay. And, uh, you know, we believe in baby dedications. And the reason why we do this church is because Jesus uh, prayed for the children. 
And we want to do this today, pray for these wonderful children. As a matter of fact, I'm going to ask that uh, someone would get my wife. There you are, Nancy. Would you come forward and hold the baby for us? So I'll hold the mic, and I'm going to let you pray. And As Nancy is coming forward to pray for Eva, I want to read this beautiful poem about a baby girl. A precious baby girl the Lord has blessed you with, sent down to you from heaven, God's little precious gift. May you know God's leading to raise her in his love so she may become a woman of God with her faith in God above. Amen. So, Mother, we want to encourage you to raise this beautiful daughter for the Lord, that she will serve God all the days of her life. Follow your example. We know that being a single mother in this church is hard, and we know that you have... uh, gone through many challenges, but God has has been with you, and he will continue to be with you. So as I just hold the microphone for Nancy and lay my hand upon baby Eva, we're just going to pray for God to bless her. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you for this little girl, God. We thank you for her precious, precious life. And God, all the days that you have ordained for her have already been written. They've already been planned. And I pray, God, that she will grow in the fear of the Lord that at the earliest of her understanding that she will accept you and receive you as her Lord and Savior. I pray for your wisdom, God, and and your knowledge to be upon her like goodness and mercy and love. Follow her all the days of her life, God, that she will be raised up to be a mighty woman for you, God, bringing nations before the throne. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray that she will be a blessing to everybody around her. Give her favor in all that she does, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And now we want to dedicate this young man, Isaac, to the Lord. And, you know, I actually got to meet Isaac at your grandmother's funeral. And Isaac went up and shared something about his grandma that kind of touched all of us there. And Isaac, I know that you've been challenged with some, you know, some issues growing up and being like the rest of the young men. But you've been a strong young man. And you've been a great example. And I see God doing a wonderful work in you every day. And. I just want to encourage you to keep loving God. Everybody is different in this world. Some of us are special. I'm a little bit more special than the rest of the people tell me. And I know if I can make it, you can make it. And God's going to bless you. And uh, I'm just going to pray for you now and ask the Lord to lead you, that you live for him, okay? Do you want to live for Jesus? Uh, no. There you go. Amen. Father, I pray you bless Isaac, this wonderful young man. Lord, I thank you, God, that even through the challenges he's faced, God, you've always been with him. He still has a smile. You can see, everyone can see by looking at him, Lord, that he's blessed and he's a happy young man. Lord, we just pray that he'll continue to grow up strong and healthy. And that, Lord, that some of the challenges he faces in life, God, that you'll help him, you'll heal him, you'll strengthen him. That, Lord, you'll let him be the man that you called him to be, an example and a leader. Lord, I pray that he won't follow the, uh, the, the leading of friends or people in the neighborhood or even in the city. But, God, he'll be an example to them, and those people will follow him. Even as Isaac was a faithful son to Abraham, I pray that he, Isaac, will be a faithful son to you as God. You're, you're his father, as his father, Lord. Lord, I pray that you'll raise him up all the days of his life, that he'll serve and love you, Lord. Keep him safe. In Jesus' name, amen. And congregation, would you now stretch your hands towards the family? We're going to pray today. you got to tell me your name again. I'm so sorry. 
Evelyn, yes. I know you texted me and we prayed together, but I, I just forgot. And I could probably look at the tattoo. Is the tattoo Evelyn? No, it's somebody else. We're forgetting about that person. Amen. In the past, in the past. Anyways, so we're going to pray for Evelyn. Cynthia is her sister, going to be there raising, and William. So we're going to pray for the family. Father, I pray you bless each one of them, especially God's sister Evelyn. Let her just be that woman of God, Lord. Lord, she's bringing her children up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And God, she faces these challenges as being a single mother. But God, you said you're married to the single mother, that you become a father in that house. And Lord, I know sometimes she may not see you or feel your presence, but Lord, you're there anyways. And I pray she'll be faithful to you to continue to pray and come to church. And God, as she does, bless her and strengthen her and set her free from the things of the past and the things that she wants to forget, God. Let her step out of the past and into the future. And Lord, help Cynthia and William to be great aunt and uncles to the children and great God help to to Evelyn Lord let them be a blessing to this family in Jesus name and everybody said can we bless the Lord for the Rosario family and Rodan family amen amen thank you here's the beautiful certificates mom I'll give these to you thank you very much As you're making your way back to your seat, I want to ask that the mission team would come forward from New Orleans. So let's give it up for the mission team as they come. There was a youth mission team this uh, past week, and they did some awesome work for the Lord. So why don't you guys stand forward, face the crowd, everybody. If you're missing somebody, run and get them. But I'm just going to hand the mic to, uh, as a matter of fact, let's get you down there because you were there. We'll just, uh, can you play the guitar in the background, handsome? Amen. Let's give it up for Ishmael getting us out of the rose this morning. Amen. See, when I'm back there, I'm watching the webcast, so I do everything he's telling us to do. You know, so I got away from my desk, and I started dancing and running around my office. Amen. Let's start with uh, the leaders of the team, and then we'll let the students share. So, uh, Ellie, you guys led the team, so tell us what happened, and we'll have some of the youth share. All right, amen. Uh, this mission trip was just awesome. Let me tell you that uh, God moved in so many ways, and I just saw it because the youth were getting challenged. I was getting challenged as the leader, you know, my wife and I and, and Cynthia as well, and it was just awesome. The first day we were out there, we went and we helped out a, a lady, and it was not the best conditions to help, you know, somebody move and all that. But you know, we did it, and uh, it was just it was awesome seeing them actually serve in that capacity and. Actually, the associate pastor of All Nations Fellowship was, like, doing it, too. And so it really just, like, you know, it was on my heart. I was like, man, like, I, I want to be like that guy. You know what I mean? And then later on, we went to do evangelism at the French Quarter at the nighttime. And it was just, it was intense. I, I would see some of them. They were going up to the fortune tellers and whatnot. And they were, like, preaching it to them and all that. And I was like, come on, amen. You know what I mean? The next few days, it started raining on us a little bit. But we still went out and evangelized. And I remember it was just by far the the breaking point on Wednesday when every single person, every single youth came up to us and they're just kind of like in tears and they're just saying, you know, I'm so discouraged and whatnot. And, you know, we were just praying for them and whatnot. The next day, literally every single one of them had a conversation going almost like left and right, left and right like that. It was just amazing. It was the power of God. So. Amen. Okay. So, (laughs) oh Lord, do I have but, but being on this trip, was it was such a blessing. Um, being able to work with these four amazing students, was it was tremendous. It blessed my heart. But um, 
It was it was funny because I testified that uh, Pastor Joe and Nancy said I would go being the spiritual mama, and did I want to lay a spanking on all of them? <laughs> but but it was good because I'm telling you they they learned to work with each other so well. Aside from all the problems and the bumping heads and and the preaching to one another and and, and pointing things out in each other, like God really did a work in them, and I know they came back completely changed. I know they came back with a greater love for for not only the people that they witnessed to for for God but for one another. You know, and, and I we were telling them like loving God and loving people, there's a reason why God made that the two greatest commandments. You know, to love God is a lot more easier than to love your neighbor. And you guys really learned that this week. And I just, you know, I pray you guys continue. But it was it was amazing to see them work and to get over themselves and and to really see the need out there. And I told them, you know what, come back with that same fire. You know, the mission trip might have ended on Friday night, but you came back on another mission to Chicago. So the mission trip continues. Amen. Awesome testimonies. Um, yes, I can say hand in hand, we gave them a spiritual spanking, all four of them, all four of them. And, and it's like four different types of personalities. I, I never knew there was that many personalities. You know, especially on 18 hours in a car and you're like this close to each other. Don't touch me. You know, it's like, oh, it's hot. You know, every five minutes. Are we there yet? That's like, oh, my goodness. Just go to sleep. Right. But um, <laughs> but uh, something that's it's as a leader, you know, it's you have to be a leader. You know, you it's easier to lead people that's on that are on your level. I'm not trying to demean them or anything like that, but but we're teaching them. And and it just showed me how much I love being a youth leader. I love just teaching youth, just teaching people. And someone, like, I can talk to Ellie and be like, bro, like, this is what the Bible says. He totally understands. But you have to make it simple for youth, you know, because they don't know where you're coming from. They don't know how to evangelize. They don't know how to live for Jesus just yet. And so teaching them, it really just stretched me. It stretched me a lot just in patience and, and learning how to talk to people, learning how to just come across to them in a way that it's like, I'm not yelling at you. I'm, I'm just trying to explain it, you know? And and so I just grew so much attached to people that I wasn't so close to. And so just God stretched all of us. He just changed all of us. And we just definitely have a heart for the lost now. And I mean, the kids, like just seeing them transform from day one to, to the last day, it just, it broke my heart. It's just see such zeal come from young students and makes me wish I would have done it younger, you know? So, amen. Oh, where do I start? Um, this mission trip was very, very interesting to me. Very interesting. I came to this mission trip scared, very scared. And, like, I didn't know what to expect. I was like, uh, is, God, is God going to use me? I was just, like, doubting myself and just scared. And then I came with, like Cynthia said, with, like, with youth with a whole bunch of personalities and not like mine and it was just like it was just it was a great experience but I went to the missions trip and it was a lot of fun I can say that it was a lot of fun it was very interesting it stretched me a lot but what what really what really opened my eyes is that when we went to the French Quarter the first day um the, I just felt the Lord speaking to me and he was just telling me you don't always have to talk 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 and say 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 and help 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 sometimes the best way to help somebody is just by hearing them and I met this a gutter punk, yeah, there I got it right this time. But I met one, and his name was Catfish, and uh, I I was talking to him, and I have a picture on Facebook, and it's like I'm just sitting on the floor, and we're just chilling, and like I did start off by like saying, okay, Jesus is the only way, but I said it like humbly, you know, and then he was just like, I know Jesus and I love him, but I hate him, and I was just like, oh, okay, and then he was like, but it was like it's one of those people where it's like 
he took my mom. He took one of my family members, you know? So it's just like, I just had to hear him out and just hear his heart. But when I was talking to him, I just seen, like, all this, 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 just, this, this hatred and just um, humiliation and stuff, you know? And it's just like, people just judge him and just look at his appearance, you know? And I just looked at him like Jesus would see him, you know? And that was just one of the ways where I could just see and just, like, look at him as a brother, you know? Just look at him as Jesus would and not judge him. And it was just like, it just hurt his heart. And that just gave me, like, more boldness and just encouragement, you know? That just, that stretched me. And he was intoxicated, so I was scared. I didn't know if he was going to swing, you know? I didn't care because I was like, I was doing it for Jesus, you know? Like, I, I wouldn't care. Like, the only, I was just scared because of my braces. I just wanted to, like, sit my cheek or something. But <laughs> it was just like, I was just ready for anything, you know? I just had my guards up. But it was just like, Jesus really stretched me, you know? And, like, I, I went out there with, like, just, just with people who were, like, just way different from Chicago, you know? And it's just like, we went day one, it was awesome, and then day two, it was just like, what's going on, you know? It's just like, what, what, what's happening? Yesterday, it was, just, it was just fine, and now today, it's just like, okay, it's just like, it was just very, like, discouraging, but very, like, it just, like, boosted, it just boosts us up again. And then the next day, we went out, and it was just like, it was me and Giselle, like, just different, just different people, but it was me and Giselle partnered up at this time. And then, like, at first, like, nobody was talking to us, but there was this guy, um, standing on the wall and I was just like okay if nobody else is gonna like just talk to us why don't we go to him he's just not going anywhere so he has no excuse so we go to him and he's like oh I'm an atheist I, I believe in science and I was like oh you know and it's just like I get confused when people say they believe in science you know because it's like science needs a creation you know everything needs a creator and this guy was just like um I believe in science I believe in the gases and all this stuff and it's just like I didn't know what to say I didn't know what to say or like how to like debate with a with a atheist, but it's like me and Giselle just kept our faith. We didn't let him just tell us like, oh, there's no God, you know, because we believe in there's a God. We believe in the holy book, you know, and it's just like so we just kept our faith, you know. So I went to this mission trip scared, but and doubting myself, and I came back with boldness and a strength and a fire. So praise God. So when we went out there, I was excited. The first day, first day, scared out of my mind, but I still did it. I still <laughs> did it. My partner Angel, she started off so scared, she made me lead the whole time, and then right after that, I'm like, you know what? You're taking the lead. I'm not doing it anymore. And then I couldn't get her to stop. I couldn't get her to stop. Like one second, I'm going over to talk to someone, turn around, and she's already halfway across the street trying to talk to someone else. Oh, that girl drove me insane. <laughs> um, but like the next day like what Lilani said and Ellie said we all broke down and it started off with me so I feel like the wuss of the group I remember <laughs> I remember I broke down on Lilani and then like we turned around and Giselle was crying her eyes out but we managed to Jason got me back up on my feet and we preached our little hearts out like nothing. We were going at it. We were going back and forth after that. Like that was the next day though, because I remember after all of us started crying, Cynthia's like, retreat, <laughs> retreat, <Come on. laughs> we gotta go, get out of here. <laughs> the next day, the last day, I spoke to at least 12 people, at least 12 people.
like you to have you guys just turn and face me. I just want to encourage you guys here just for a few moments. I mean, first of all, guys, it's only at Metro Praise where we send 13-year-olds and 15-year-olds out to Bourbon Street, New Orleans. And then, and then we testify about them breaking down, weeping on the street, but then being radical. It's like, welcome to Metro Praise where we do the gospel. Amen. And I'm not saying we're the only ones. I'm just saying there's a lot of services this Sunday, and I'm sure they're not testifying and spiritually spanking 13-year-olds that were afraid to witness on Bourbon Street. You have to understand, I have brought grown men out there, and they have broke down. It is so intimidating. I mean, Bourbon Street is a place where women can expose their breasts, there can be nudity, there can be violence, there's debauchery, uh, alcoholism, uh, open bottles everywhere. So obviously we shielded them from some of those areas, but people trafficking back and forth from those areas, I mean, it's the worst of the worst. And you might say, well, Joe, why would you do it? Well, first of all, I would never ask any child to do anything I myself I haven't done or I wouldn't ask my own children to do. And so we made sure we talked to the parents and the youth leaders. But what they saw was what the early church was brought up in. You know, Rome was a pagan nation. This is where we get this idea of Mardi Gras from, a fat Tuesday, the celebrating of these pagan gods, you know, adopted by Catholicism. And so by you guys going out there, I want to tell you, you probably related more to the persecuted church overseas in the sense of suffering and to the early church of the Bible more than anybody in this room can imagine so you guys went through it and now this is what the the thing was you think you were going to go over there and change them but that was not the most important thing the most important thing was God changed you because those people now they need to be saved yes they're going to do their thing but if God can raise up a soul winner to win souls the rest of their life you will change nations. I mean, God will reinvent you as a person if you know now how to win souls. And if God, and this is the reason why we send them on mission trips is because if they're not afraid of Bourbon Street now, they won't be afraid of their high school this coming school year. And so what I want us to pray, congregation, let's just stand up. I want to pray, stretch our hands towards them. Uh, elders, deacons, 201, uh, just come around them right now. We want to pray that any junk that they might have saw, anything will, will be washed out of their mind. And then that the Holy Spirit anointing will fall upon them. And if you're not realizing the morning service is mostly elders and deacons and 201, you just realized right now. <laughs> Come on, some of you come in front. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you for them right now. We thank you for each and every one of them. We thank you, Lord, that they gave a week of their summer to go to New Orleans to serve in the hot sun, moving, doing acts of service, and, Lord, to preach the gospel. We thank you for them, God. I pray that you just pour out your spirit even more on them. Wash their heart clean of all the dirtiness and filth they saw out there, God. And now let the boldness remain. Let that anointing remain. Raise them up, God. I thank you for our youth leaders that took them out there, God, that planned the trip, God, very last minute, God, but they made it happen in excellence. Lord, I thank you for the wisdom you gave them, the provision, even, God, when things didn't go right. I thank you for raising up good leaders, disciples that make disciples. And, Lord, now we pray for New Orleans. 
all nations church and God's God's house church God and those ministries they worked with and the Raven team that's on the streets every Friday and Saturday night Lord bless them God move in New Orleans and do a mighty work out there and send more laborers in Jesus name and everybody said amen can we bless the Lord come on you may be seated in the house of God Amen. We're going through a special series right now on faith and finances. We're doing the offering and announcements at the end. So I'm just so thankful that you guys came here today and welcome everybody. And I just want you to open up your Bible with me today to the book of Genesis chapter 4. We're going to go into the series. And today's uh, lesson is learning to live to give. And it's going to be our last in this series. So I want you guys just to be happy and excited that we don't have to talk about money anymore. Can somebody say amen? But the good thing is that what we're talking about money is changing the landscape of this church. And that's why I've been waiting for the announcements and offering at the end. Because so often we don't understand what the role money and finances play in a growing church like ours. And so you can come to this church, and many have for quite some time, and they say, Pastor, I didn't, I didn't really know, uh, you know how expensive it was or what it took to run the ministry. But during this month, we've been doing that. And even if you're visiting today, it's not by accident, so you may be here to join with us to make a difference. And I think some of the things you learned today will even encourage you. So I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 2, and I want to give you about six scriptures today on the subject of living to give. Everybody say living to give. Amen. Are you excited to give? Can you say amen? Amen. I'm going to share with you some principles out of the Bible. Look at Genesis chapter 4. One of the most famous you'll ever see is Cain and Abel. One of the first uh, offerings in the Bible, and it's actually the first murder in the Bible, and we'll talk about that here. You see in verse 1, Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the field. Verse 3, in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the, fe- of the soil as an offering to the Lord, but Abel brought fat portions, some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Everybody say, Cain was angry. Now you might hear raising Cain or different things like this. Well, this is where the saying comes from. Cain was angry. And why was he angry in this passage? Because his offering was neglected by God. The first thing that I want you to learn in living to give and being generous is that God wants you to give him your best. Think about the things we've learned over this series. The first thing that we learned is that God wants to break the heart of greed. Why is it important to talk about money? Because Jesus talked about money. And Jesus said that the biggest competing master for your life is money. He said no man can serve two masters. Either he'll hate one and love the other or love one and hate the other. No man can serve God and what? Money. Jesus himself talked about money because he knew that money would try to compete for him as the Lord of your life. And we talked about how greed slips in. Greed doesn't just slip in through people like Boss Hog who just want to have ribs and just get all they can and become gluttonous. No, greed can set in even with people who are in poverty. 
Greed can come into the heart of the hardworking man who works nine to five, you know, five, six days a week and feels that he has nothing left to give to the church because everything goes to bills. The heart of greed is this, and we learned it very simply, to put money before God. And when we see in our culture today, isn't that the most competing thing for people's time and attention? When people say that they're too busy to come to church, what are they busy doing? They're either busy making money or spending money. See, money has become the Lord of their life. When people say that I can't give to church, what are they spending that money on? The things that they themselves need. Selfishness. Can everybody say selfishness? Now you might say, Pastor, is my house and clothes selfish? Yes, it is when it competes with the kingdom of God. Because in Matthew 6.33, Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other things will be added unto you. If I put my own children before God, is that selfishness? Yes, I will help you out. The Bible says if a man does not hate his mother, brother, his sister, his wife, his children, yes, even his own life. If he does not hate these things, he cannot be my disciple. Why was Jesus teaching us to hate family? Because he was saying, if you do not put me before your family, you will be damned and doomed forever in eternity of a lake of fire. And you must hate anything that would take you to a lake of fire. Let me ask you a question. If I put you in a burning furnace right now, would it be worth saying, I was a good father for X amount of years. You might say, well, I'm, I'm noble, Pastor. And I'm not talking about, listen, rescuing your family or doing something for your family because the most noble thing you can do for your family is teach them to live for Jesus. But what I'm asking you to consider is when we put you into that furnace, will it have mattered what you did with that family? If you don't understand the illustration, do this. Place your hand over a hot stove today. And then hold on to your children's hand on this side. Once again, not for the sake of rescuing your children, but see how long you can take the excruciating pain before you have to let go. What God is saying is you will be tested by fire one day. You will be tested. And if you have put your family before him, if you have put your job before him, the fires of hell will consume you for eternity. Now, can I tell you the good and the opposite side of greed? The good and opposite side of greed is living to give and being generous. So if I put first the kingdom of God and his things, then the job that I work and the provision that I have for my family is actually a part of God's plan for my life. And so then I'm rewarded by how I treat my wife, how I raise my kids, and the rewards that I get for them are eternal rewards. You see, going to uh, Six Flags, uh, Disney World on vacation can only do so much for you. But if you teach your children to live for God, if you put God first in your family, you can be with them for eternity. Can you say amen? amen? That was our first lesson, was the lesson of greed. Then we talked about last uh, the last two weeks over the tithe and how God asks us to take 10% of our total in income and give it to him because this is a symbol of us giving him our best. Now this brings us to the story of Cain and Abel. What is the problem? Uh, Andrew, would you follow along by putting the scriptures up there, please, and when I come back to the points, go to the PowerPoint. Well, let's see what the problem is. Here you go. Look in verse 3. In the course of time, everybody say, in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil. But then look at verse 4. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn. Somebody say firstborn. What's the principle we learn here right at the very beginning of Genesis? 
Cain is taking care of the crops. He's got some elote, some corn. He's got some frijoles, some beans. But what does he say? He says, man, I'm hungry. I'm going to eat, and I'm going to take care of myself. If you don't understand the book of Genesis, there were already other children of Adam and Eve by this time. That's why everybody asks, who does Cain marry? He marries one of the other descendants of Adam and Eve. So they might have had already at this time a family. We don't know how far the lineage might have been at this time or the human race, how big it was, but there were siblings. So he might have shared it with them. He might have had a party. And then what does the Bible say? He just took some of them at the course of time. Whenever it was convenient to him, he said, you know what? I'm just going to give this to God. I already ate my fill. I've already had a party. Now I'm going to give this to God. And guess what? God didn't accept it. But Abel Abel went to his flock, and he said, what's the best one? What's the strongest one? What is the one that everybody here would want to eat? He pointed it out, and he said, that one I'm going to give to God. And that one was the firstborn, the one that came first. And when he gave it to God, God accepted it. Did you know that the first time there was a murder in the Bible, it was over an offering? Because one man was jealous that God rejected his offering, but his brother was accepted. And do you know, almost 6,000 years later, people are still angry at the preacher when they talk about God rejecting their offering. If you don't believe me, just look at your neighbor's face right now. Come on, just look at your neighbor. They're still mad. They're still upset. People don't want you to talk about their offering. They don't want you to talk about their money. People just want you to leave them alone. Hey, come on, pastor. I'm just giving to God. You know, God should be happy. You know, I mean, I work so hard. You know, why should I give him the best? I need to give the best to Visa. And I need to give the best to my MasterCard. And, and God should just be happy. Come on, gosh darn it, I work hard. Don't tell me it's not accepted. Come on. And people get angry. But you learn the principle here in Genesis 4. Right at the beginning, God says, you may bring me your leftover refried beans. You may bring me your leftover corn, kind of like what you give out to the pigs and hogs after you've eaten your fill. You give them the leftover. He said, but here's the deal. I don't accept it. And it's because of that that Cain then killed Abel. Keep reading in verse 6. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? Just look at your neighbor and see if they have a downcast face right now. Okay, okay. Keeping up with y'all. Ain't going to let you hide in the church today. Why are you angry? Metro praise. Why is your face downcast? You might as well just fake it right now. Just fake your smile. Because I'm smiling. I'm upset as all get out, but I'm smiling. Why is your face downcast? Look at verse 7. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted but if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. But you must master it. Well, what is that sin? What, what, I mean, if we're going to talk about sin crouching at Cain's door, what guess, what guess of sin do you think was crouching at his door that day? Greed. Well, I worked hard for this, God. And you know what? I, I think it's unfair. I think it's unfair that you choose Abel over me. You know, Abel just has more, 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 more lambs, you know. I mean, I just have a few little plants. I can't, I can't do what he does. And, God, you shouldn't compare us. And you shouldn't expect everybody to give their best. That was greed in his heart. And then the Bible says this, verse 8, Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. 
Do you understand that the first murder in the Bible was over two brothers and God saying, I don't accept yours, but I do accept yours. And he goes to the brother and he says, the one that I, you didn't, I didn't accept, he says, man, I will accept yours if you just do what's right. If you just do what your brother did, you will be blessed just like your brother was. And watch out because sin is crouching at your door. What is the lesson we see here as we're living to give? Don't be greedy, friends. Because sin is crouching at your door. And don't be mad when the preacher talks about what God expects from you. It's a good preacher who wants you to live the way God wants you to live. I would be a bad preacher if I didn't teach you against greed and the things of your life that you and I both face. It's a good preacher to help you do that. Amen? I'm glad somebody believes in a good preacher today. The second thing, learning to give. Turn with me to 1 Kings 17, 1 through 15, is that God blesses great sacrifice. 1 Kings 17, 1 through 5, teaching about the story of the prophet and coming to the woman's house and her saying that she uh, didn't have a lot of food to give the man of God. Well, let's see what the man of God said to this, this woman here. 1 Kings chapter 17. Starting in verse 1, it's quite a long story, but I can read it quickly. I want you to see it in its context. Now Elisha the Tibbite, he was from, uh, from Tish being in Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. So the prophet of God says, I'm going to stop the rain, and my word will bring it back. But this is God's authority through him. But he has that authority. Verse 2, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here, turn eastward, hide in Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan, you will drink from the brook, and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to Kareth Raven, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. So here he goes to a, a place has supernatural provision. Everybody say supernatural provision. And what do I relate this to? It's times in the church when nobody has to sacrifice and give, but God supernaturally provides. Do you know that last year somebody received an inheritance and tithed off of it $20,000 in one offering? None of you had to give it that day, but somebody gave it. And because of something so supernatural and big, we were able to get a new keyboard and new drums and able to get one of our vans. Somebody say supernatural. But look at verse 7. Some time later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. So as time went on, this provision wasn't there anymore. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. Hold on. Did, did God command a rich man there to provide him with food? Did God command the wealthy boss hog guy to permit, come, uh, give him food? Who does he pick? A widow, see, this is for everybody here that thinks that you can't give something great to God. No, God said, I've chosen a widow there to supply you with food. Verse 10, so he went to Zareph. When he came to the town, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called and said, and bring me a piece of bread. Come on, bring me some arroz con candules. Bring me, bring me a taco. Bring me some pizza. As you're getting me some water, give me some bread. Look at your neighbor and say, pastors like to eat. Okay, so he says, yeah, no, go and get me some water. Has anybody ever seen the pastor get some water around here? Amen. So I'm not the first one. And if you've ever seen somebody bring me food, it's in the Bible. Amen. If you want to bring it to me at Outback today, I receive it. I receive it. Amen. I receive it from the widow. Here we go. But this is real deal. 
Now, verse 12, the woman says, As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you said. But first, everybody say, But first. Come on, but first. Make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord God, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. Now I'm not saying give to me a Rolls Royce, give to me these things, but I want you to see the application right here. The man of God, Elijah, was representing the word of God. And he was saying to the woman, you don't have a church to go to. I get it. There was times here where there was not a good place for them to worship. And what he was saying to that woman was, give it to me, the man of God, first, and God will bless you. Take a risk and give it to me. Now, I'm not asking you to give it to me. I'm doing the right thing because we have a church and we have a place for you to give. I'm saying give it to God first. Pastor, even the widow, even the widow who has a little bit of meal and oil and is going to die. Yes, give it to God first. It's the word of the Lord. Give it to God first. Why? Because there's a blessing when you give it to God. If you don't give it to God, then all you'll have is what's in your hand. But if what's in your hand does not meet your need, it is your Seed, and you better sow it into the things of God so you can reap a harvest. Now, I'm not telling any widow here to take her social security check and just lay it at this altar and go broke for God. But I am telling you, if there is a widow here that has a social security check and she has not tithed it and given it first unto God, she is not under the blessing of God. So, my friends, if it applies to poor, lonely old widows, how much more to us to give God our best? And great sacrifice. And what happened? Sometime later, uh, verse 15, so she went away and did as Elijah had told her. And there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry. In keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Let me ask you a question as you look at these notes. Today, is there a famine in our land? Yes. Are people suffering financially in our land? Yes. So what are we going to do in this time of great sacrifice and need? Are we going to sacrifice it for Red Lobster, for the Hangover movie too, which was the largest producing movie when I mentioned what we're spending our money on? Are we going to give it to Starbucks? Are we going to give it to these things? Or are we going to make our greatest sacrifice for the Lord? Do you think that just applies to you today? That applies to me and every other person out here today. My friends, God honors sacrifice. I know it may not be exciting to hear the word sacrifice in our day and age because what we're told is get rich quick. You deserve it. Go ahead and spend it. But what I'm teaching you today is what the Bible taught us so many years ago, that through great sacrifice, God blesses us. Let's go to the third one. God blesses others through our offerings. Go to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. As you're turning there, you're going to learn about a man named Barnabas. He was a great man in the Bible. He was called the son of encouragement, and you're going to learn probably why he received that name. Acts chapter 4, going towards the end of the chapter, starting verse 32. 
All the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. Do you see a spirit of sharing in this church? Do you see people sharing transportation? Do you see people opening up their homes for life groups? Do you see me as a pastor sharing? Uh, Ellie, what car did you guys drive down to the mission trip? Our car. Is there a spirit of sharing in this church? I'm asking you a serious question, yes or no? Those who have been in this church, have you seen a spirit of greed? Have you seen a spirit of let's just make the pastor rich? Or have you seen a spirit of sharing? That guitar pedal. Whose guitar pedal is that, Ish? That's my guitar pedal. You see, people are sharing things in this church, and I'm not the only one. Why am I talking about myself? Because I'm holding the microphone today. How much more should all of us share one with another? All the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. Verse 34, there was no needy persons among them. Okay? Now here's the plan. If you don't want needy people in the church, if we want to see people blessed in the church, if we want to continue to run a van to the west side so our dear sister can sit down here and enjoy a service, if we want to do this, look what it takes. Because as my mom testified when my dad was preaching that week, it's free for us to give, but it costs somebody something. Are you listening? For us to give a free transportation on the vans this month, you know how much it costs in gas? $800 in gas to run our vans to give transportation, to do the adopt-a-block on the west side. It is free for them, but it costs somebody money. There was no need in the congregation. Why? From time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed distributed to anyone as he had need. And I'm not talking about selling your home and living on a commune and us drinking Kool-Aid. I'm talking about blessed people who had enough homes and lands, uh, you know, uh, had enough property and land that they could sell and keep making money. Are there supposed to be blessed people in the church? Yes. Maybe you're not blessed to this extent, but I want you to pray that God could use you like this. But that's how serious they were in the church, and that's why there was no need. And look at it right here. Verse 36 even says the name. How would you like this to be said of you in heaven's annals and heaven's records? Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostle called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Why, why do we call this man son of encouragement? Because he sold a field he owned and brought, it to the, brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. How many know you sell a, a plot of land in this city right here, three or $400,000, and you put it at this apostle's feet? I'm going to be calling you the son of encouragement. <laughs> Woo, you encouraged me, brother. You just, I just feel like preaching now. Let's have another service. And I'm not saying we're only going to love Mr. Big Bucks. I'm just saying there should be people with Big Bucks giving big offerings. Today, Chick-fil-A is owned by a Christian businessman. Hobby Lobby is owned by Christian businessmen. Many companies that are insurance-based and, and different things are owned by Christian businesses. As a matter of fact, the largest charitable gift in human history recorded uh, in America was given by uh, uh, the owner of McDonald's wife almost a billion dollars to the Salvation Army because they believe in Jesus. 
How many would like to receive a billion-dollar donation for this church to change the world for Jesus? Amen. Well, you see, when we give generously, it blesses others. The next thing that we see is, as you might be thinking about the amount, is the next principle in Mark 12, is God blesses the heart, not the amount. Look to Mark 12, 41, and hear one of the most famous stories in the Bible. And some of you might have wondered what was going on here. Let me share it with you really quick. Is Jesus was watching the offering. Somebody say, Jesus watches the offering. Now, it sounds like Jesus is just like his daddy then. Because his daddy was watching the offering in the Old Testament, wasn't he? Hello? So in the New Testament, you would think Jesus would be doing the same thing. Jesus sat down across opposite the place where the offerings were being put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Who was watching them give money? Do you think he's still watching today? Do you think he's like his daddy, still watching offerings? You know how people say only God can judge me? Do you think God is still judging how offerings are being given? He judged Cain and Abel. Do you think he's still doing that? He was watching. Many rich people threw in large amounts of money. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. And being over to India three times myself personally and to Mexico once, we understand that that the money value is just so incredibly low over there compared to our dollar. And so I know the rupee of India would be similar to these copper coins. Rupees don't even hardly match our pennies. And they would throw it in, she threw it in there. In verse 43, Jesus called his disciples and said, I tell you the truth, the poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, all she had to live on. What is the principle that we're learning there? Is that if Mr. Big Bucks comes down and he's like, Here's a thousand dollars. Here it is. Here it is. Touchdown. If that thousand dollars is not his tithe, he is still a robber and a thief in God's kingdom. If he made twenty thousand dollars that month and he's coming here announcing his thousand acting like he's some big giver giving out of his wealth he's still a robber because a thousand is not a tithe out of twenty thousand are you all tracking with me and so god says i still judge offerings if you're not giving it the right way the first fruit just giving out of your wealth thinking you're doing something big compared to others it's nothing he says it counts for nothing he said but this woman took all she had Now think about this. She didn't just give 10%. She gave 100%. And sometimes we think to ourselves, well, that would be easy if I was poor to give everything because I would have less to give. You know, now I have a big house payment and a car, and maybe I couldn't relate to it. Yes, you can. Listen to me. That was her only means of eating. It was her only means of providing for herself. But what she was saying was, God, you have created me. You love me. You have given me everything I have. And today, while I'm in my greatest need, I'm going to give the greatest seed, all that I have at your feet. And who noticed that day? And the Bible says, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust can eat it away, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither rust nor moth can destroy 
Why was Jesus teaching us that principle? Because he's not judging you based on what your neighbor makes. And he's not judging me based on what you make. He is judging us all individually. And God knows when you're giving everything you have. God knows when you're working hard and you're suffering, you're going without. Sometimes you're having to to do things to cut corners. God sees that. And when you give, not when you steal from him, but when you give, God blesses you. Now, either we believe that or we don't believe that. But I can tell you, I believe the Bible. And so that means that this woman in heaven is going to be blessed than so so many rich people that just tossed offerings to God. She's going to have rewards in heaven. Jesus said that. And I'm so thankful today that he doesn't judge on my amount. You think a pastor makes a lot? I don't. And I know some people in this church can give so much more than I can give. But when I come up and I give out of what I don't have, and I make sacrifices... For this building fund, we were, we're in debt, and you're going to hear at the end and how we're just getting out of debt and God's making a way. But at the beginning, I said, God, I don't have any money because the church is in debt, and that means I'm in debt, and I don't have anything. God, I want to give something. Do you know that my job at SUM was already over? They paid me my last check because I work at a Bible college, and I was helping start other Bible schools here in the city. And they said, Joe, here's your last check. Go on and do your thing for God, and we love you. But when I prayed that prayer Sunday, I got on a plane Sunday night, listen to me, true story, Sunday night, and I arrived in San Francisco at our meetings for the Bible college. And he looked at me and he said, Joe, you've brought in more people in this region than all together. Faith ruled is with us, city lights, and then I brought Raven team in, almost 30, 40 students. And he said, what your wife is doing is remarkable. He said, I'm going to give you a pay every month just to keep doing what you're doing. You don't have to come into the office because I couldn't fly. They wanted to pay me a full-time salary to travel all around. I just couldn't do it and pastor at the same time. But he said, we're going to pay you a part-time salary just for you to help out with this Bible couch because what you did was so awesome for us. Come on, man. That was the gift that I had already pledged to the Lord that Sunday. Somebody say God is real. You see, I want to challenge you. God doesn't look at the amount. God's looking at the heart. God wanted me that day, Sunday morning, to be blessed. God wanted to favor me. And listen, favor is not fair. Get this out of your mind. It's not fair. Well, I don't get that. Well, you don't sow like how I sow. Then stop complaining. Because if you did what I did, you'd be blessed like I'm blessed. That's what the Bible says. So get this out of your mind. It's not fair. It's not fair because you're not doing what God said. Because it's not the amount. Don't get me wrong. It's not the amount. It's the way God blesses so that we can be blessings because he's looking at our hearts. But I'll tell you what. Even this week, I was looking over this message, and I said, I still don't think people really get it. I think they still, after the whole month of talking about it, and you have my commitment, 11 months. I mean, next month, I'm going to tell you what I'm talking about, storms of life, bad relationships, secret sins, past failures, things that you'll be shouting, hollering, whooping, and dancing all over the church. You'll be so excited I'm talking about those things. And as I was preparing this last message, specifically this point, people still don't get it. We still don't learn from an old widow. We still think to ourselves, God just looks at the money, The pastor just looks at them. No, God is looking at your heart. When I prayed that day, Sunday morning, I wasn't saying, God, make me a millionaire so I can be a televangelist with a whoosh hairdo and throw my jacket on people and blow on them and ride around in a private jet. What I was saying that day to the Lord was, can I be a bigger giver than what I am right now? Because I want to help your kingdom grow. 
Because last time I checked, Jesus, you're the Lord of this church, not me. Look at the next one. God blesses the giver with more seed to sow. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. See, when God looks at somebody that can be trusted with seed, he begins to give them more seed. God is in to finding sowers and givers. Once again, it's not the amount. It's just the heart. And once he finds that heart for people to give, he starts giving them more so they can give more. If you don't believe me, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Do we all get the point there? We see it in farming. If I sow two seeds of apples, I can only get two apple trees, right? But if I sow 100 apple trees, apple seeds, I can get 100 apple trees. Everybody get that, amen? So what is he challenging us to do? Be generous. But is the amount what matters here? No, it's the heart. Give what's generous to you. Give what's generous. 10% is what we all owe the Lord. But after that, what is generous to you? Maybe giving five extra dollars, 10, 100, maybe generous. But give generously. Verse 7, each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now look at verse 8. The cheerful giver is blessed, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. How many want to abound in every good work? How, How many want to be a part of a church? that when good works come before you, you can sow seed into that. For an example, let me just give you a perfect example. I, as a pastor, get contacted all the time to sow seed into other ministries. And we've set an amount that we always want to sow seed. Just this past week, as an example, somebody said, we're giving school supplies in New Orleans, $13 per child. Will you sow for at least one? And I said, Metro Praise will do too. Are you listening to me? What did we sow seed into last week? Last week before that, it was the church plant happened to be again in New Orleans. Pastor Grogan doing 60-mile bike ride for his 60th birthday, taking up pledges. I said, we'll give $3 a mile. That's 180. Make it an even 200. Why is Metro Praise always sowing seed into other ministries, even if it's only $20 or $30? Why are we doing this? Because we want to have more to give more. We want to be blessed to be a blessing. And it's just not about this building and this location. And also on top of this, I saw my friend, he's doing these visitor packets, and he's giving out CDs in the visitor packets. And immediately I was reminded I have about 1,000 CDs and 1,000 CD labels because of a failed music ministry I was going to have on the TV that just didn't work out. So I had, And guess what was the first thing that I said? Brother, can I give you these CDs? Can I give you these labels? Because I'm blessed to be a blessing. And God loves a cheerful giver. And when he finds that giver, he wants to make grace abound to them so that they can have all they need to supply every good work. Verse 9, as it is written, he who scattered his gifts abroad to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Does Metro Praise love the poor here? Do we go to the west side and love the poor? Yes. Do we go to the foreign nations and love the poor? then our righteousness will endure forever. Now he, verse 10, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of what? 
seed. It will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be rich in every way. Why am I going to be rich so I get a new car? No. So you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. How many love generous people? How many would love me if I generously blessed you all with a car like Oprah Winfrey? Why do you think they like her so much? Because she's generous. Why is it nobody picks on the Gates family? Though they're the richest family in the world, but we have problems with the Hiltons. The reason is, is because the Gate family gives away their money and the Hiltons flaunt their money. Everybody loves a generous giver. And God says, I'll make you a generous giver and people will thank God for what you do. When we give to missions, they thank God for Metro Praise. When you give to this church so we can have these lights on, have a youth group, these youth thank God. We sowed $200 into the mission trip because the students had three or four of them drop out, and it wasn't enough money to cover all of the expenses. New Orleans thanks God. I've already got the testimony from them. They thank God that we were there. People will thank God as a result of your generosity. Not your stinginess. Amen? And then Philippians chapter 4 verse 10 is that God meets the needs of those who meet needs. I'm going to say that again. God meets the needs of those who meet needs. Philippians chapter 4, one of the most famous verses you've ever heard in your life. It says right here, it says in verse um, 19, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. How many have ever heard that scripture before? But who is that promise given to? God's going to meet all my needs. Who's that promise for? Look at verse 18. I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. If I want God to meet my needs, and I want that promise of verse 19 to apply to my life, then I first must apply meeting the needs to the kingdom of God. He said, Philippians, you've sent Epaphroditus, you've sent Adolfo, you've sent Adam, we've sent all these men to foreign nations. Ricky, we've sent three men to foreign nations to give gifts to them, and they're saying, we received your gifts. And now they say to us, we pray for Metro Praise. May God meet all of your needs. May God meet the need of the one looking for a job, the one going to college to be educated. May God meet the need of those already being employed. There are people praying this prayer for us because we are meeting needs. And then when you have met needs in the kingdom, you can stand on this promise and say, Lord, I have met needs in this kingdom, not by my will, but by your will. So, Lord, I claim this, that you will now meet my needs according to the riches of glory in Christ. Christ Jesus. Woo! Come on, somebody. Praise God. In closing here. Quickly, in closing. I want to share this with you. If we could get the slide up. I'm asking today now for 50 people to help us as a church move out of the season that we're in. My friends, we have needed to raise $30,000, and we did not come close to raising it all. And I felt that God gave me a way that we can move forward from this point on. 
The elders and deacons, my wife and I, have already committed to it, and I'm going to ask you to commit to it so now you can have a part to play. Because some of you were saying, Pastor, I can't give to the 15000 I don't have enough. This is what I'm asking today so that we can keep the doors of this building open and move forward. That each one of you would decide to be a tither. And if I have at least 50 tithers in this house, the tithe will cover the building and all the things that we do. Then on top of your tithe, every person that receives a check. So if this is a husband and a wife, my wife receives something from the school, I receive. So we're both going to pray for this to happen in our lives. That we would give $50 on top of our tithe to our building fund to eliminate what I believe is going to be after this week's offering. Because today we we still need about $10,000 to come in. It's going to be added to that number. Are you guys listening to me? Because $12,000 is what I owed before. And then those who give will begin to knock down that debt. And I'm believing that we're going to do this for the next five months until January. And then if you would then dedicate to give $25 a month to missions, we can have $6,000 towards mission. My friends, today is a challenge for you as a congregation. We weren't able to raise it all at once. But I'm now asking you to help us because if we don't do it, we may lose this building. We have to believe today that every person can help us. Now, this is what I'm asking you. If you are here and you're saying, I cannot give an extra 50 a month towards building, I cannot give an extra 25, which comes out to 75 extra dollars a month to $2.50 a day, then I want to challenge you to pray that God would use you. That God would speak to you, no matter how small your job is. We're challenging even some of our elders, and I'll name them by name, even Robin, Ishmael's wife, who only works a couple days a month. We're challenging all of our elders, would you do this for the Lord and ask the Lord to use you so that we can clear the debt? It doesn't go away because this month we didn't raise it. And if we give to missions, we can stop having to always come back and say we need more. Because some don't give faithfully to missions. Are you all listening to me? It's a challenge for this congregation. Already with those in the elders and deacons and with 201, we're more than 25. More than 25. All we need now is 25 from this congregation and the second service to say, Pastor, I'm committed to this church. We don't want your name. This is I don't even look at your names. We have an accountant. Listen, this is between you and God, and I'm asking you to pray about this, that you would say, Pastor, we want to clear the debt, and we want to increase the missions, and we all can do our part. Because I know after this came upon us, some of you were like, I cannot give towards that 15000 but I believe we can give towards this. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but here's what you're giving towards. This is what Metro Praise does on an average month. We provide a church for 400 people each week. They may not come, but the seats are here, 200 in in the sanctuary, so we can hold 400. We give free training to youth, Elevate, and children, Royal Rangers, and Impact on Wednesdays and Fridays. Free rides and two vans for God's people with, with the vans. We give free tutoring, computers, printing, and counseling for students. You see the center back there. We supply an outreach to the west side every week on Saturdays for about 30 children. We do outreaches to the Puerto Rican Festival, the Taste, and Wicker Park weekly 
for free, blessing them out there, sometimes with water bottles, hot chocolates. We offer classes and, and, and offices for SUM Bible College. We help support 200 churches around the world. We provide for the pastor, my wife and I's homes and needs. We allow people to come on retreats for free. That summer retreat was packed out, and 30 40% were, were scholarship to come. We sow seeds into other ministries, New Orleans and Chicago. We offer free mission trips, conferences, and events for the community. You're making that difference. And I want to tell you a story about Scott Lewis as the band comes. Would everybody stand up, please? Everybody stand up for me, please. Band, would you come? From this point on, guys, I'm only going to start showing you the numbers and asking that we do it. I'm not going to spend time talking about finances anymore. This concludes our financial series. Can we bless the Lord for learning some good things this last month? I want to tell you a story about Scott Lewis. True story, but I couldn't find his picture, so I found this handsome gent and his wife right there. This is probably Gary and Barbara right here from um, some dating website, and they're just a great testimony of how they met each other online. So Scott Lewis, has anybody ever heard of Bill Bright? A few of you, Bill Bright? Mentor to Billy Graham, close friend to Billy Graham, and mentor to Josh McDowell. Uh, he's passed away, going home to be with the Lord, started Campus Crusade for Christ, personally was responsible for over a million people coming to know the Lord. Uh, great man of prayer and fasting. Just a great man. See, here's the thing. You, we hear about the shams and the charlatans all the time. You don't really hear much about Bill Bright. He lived his whole life as a Christian. No controversy, no stealing money, just loved God. A million people went to heaven as a result of what he did. But at a, but at a certain point in his life, he began to realize what I've realized this month as a pastor. If we don't have people help us do what we do, even in times of famine and economic hardships, we can't do what we do. And so he was doing a conference with ordinary people, and he was challenging them to be givers. And he said to the people there, he said, I challenge you to make a million-dollar pledge in your lifetime to give to the Lord's work of spreading the gospel above your ties. So I challenge you because God is looking for generous people to bless, that he, they can be blessings. And he went around and he started talking to the people at the table. You know, he did his whole speech kind of like I did, sharing about generosity. And he was talking to Scott Lewis and he said, Scott, how much did you give last year? Because, you know, he wanted to talk about it. And this was okay. And Scott said, well, we made a little bit under 50000 my wife and I. But we gave 17000 to the Lord's work, 35% of our income. He said, God allowed us to give over 25% of our tithe. And Bill Bright said, praise God, that's awesome. He said, how would you like to let the Lord use you to make that million-dollar pledge in your lifetime to go just broke for God, man, just, just give it all away? How would you like to do that? He said, I would love to, Bill. But what I make and what my wife makes, we can never do that. And I don't want to make a commitment I couldn't keep. And Bill said, no, you have it all wrong. God wants you to dream big because he's a big God. He said, what if God would show you this next year that you could be that person? Would you believe him? And, and Scott said, yeah, I'll believe him. And Bill said, I want to challenge you this year to give $50,000 above your tithe and offering to the work of the Lord. And Scott looked at him and said, Bill, I don't know if you heard me here. I didn't even make 50000 last year, let alone to provide a house for my family, my kids. I, I, I can't do that. And Bill said, but do you believe God can? He said, yeah, I believe God can. 
He said, ask him then. No, no problem if you don't. you got to understand, good churches like us, good people like Bill Bright, we're not in your business. We're just challenging you to be givers. So he said, you don't do it, you don't do it, but just go big for God. Try it. Ask him. December 31st of that following year, he was down almost a whole amount. But then something came through in his business, and he was able to write the check for 50000 December 31st. True story. True story. Bill Bright said it, and I believe it. True story. And he said, God, wow, you actually did it. He believed the Lord the next year for 100000 and God did it. He wrote Bill Bright, and this is a Bill Bright testimony. He wrote him and said, Bill, I have now passed the million-dollar mark for Jesus. See, friends, I want to ask you, when was the last time you asked God to bless you just to be a blessing? No strings attached. No, God, well, I need it to be blessed so I can then bless myself. When was the last time you just said, God, I just want to be blessed to be a blessing? I'll be fine with the 50000 but God, flow another fifty so I can give it away. Flow another hundred. I won't waste it. God, I'll give it away. See, that's what we're looking for in this church is people that understand that if we don't pay debt, if we don't support the missions, we will fail at what God has called us to do. We're not asking you to do anything other than what God can do through you, but would you partner with us and say, Pastor, I'll be a committed tither. I get it now. You've taught me for four weeks. You've told me I'm cursed. I'll go to hell. God will spit it. He'll wipe dung on my face, and then I want to murder my brother because I'm jealous. You taught me. I want to do it now. Okay, so if we get tithers in the house and then people to say my church needs me they need me now and I I want to have God supply that need I'm going to believe that he'll do it would you bring the the offering buckets forward please I want to give you guys some great announcements as we get ready to close out a service here today some things that are going to make you get real excited we love God and love people here amen we're Metro Praise Sunday morning, 9 a.m. and 11. We have Wednesday, this week, Wednesday, I'm going to be preaching healing and deliverance. Come on out. Get set free. I'm going to be talking about demonology, what demons and evil spirits are like, and then we're going to cast them out. Sickness and healing, all that. Youth elevate every Friday at 7.30. Come and join our classes because they're great, and you're going to love them. Rushing through this life group. Somebody say life groups. You need to join a life group. Life group leaders are going to bum rush you today, and they're going to kidnap you and take you to their house. When you show up there, you're going to love it, and you're going to be happy you came, okay? This is what I want to share with you here. Next month, nothing to do with money. So if your friends don't like money, don't want, listen, bring them all back now, okay? Let's fill up the seats. Next week, I'm going to talk about broken relationships. Bring, bring everybody you can think of that's had their heart broken. Then we're going to talk about life's letdowns the next week, past failures the next week. And August 21st, August 28th, we're going to talk about secret sins. Invite your friends. Get the dates of these and make sure you bring people that are applicable. And here is where the shiggy diggy, here's where the shiggy diggy gets down. So last time, you're going to see this video. So make some noise. Come on, pump it up, baby. Make me feel like I'm back in the 80s. Woo!
That was the place to make noise. There's another place coming if you want to make noise one last time. It's coming. It's coming. Come on. Make some noise. Come on, keep shouting. Woo! Come on. The truth. Shiggy diggy, here we go. This is how we're going to close out today. Altar workers, would you stand on both sides? If you need prayer for anything, salvation, getting free from greed, want a good attitude because you love when we talk about money or it's hard for you, you come and get prayer today. Send anything on these sides right here. Guys, we're going to close out today giving our tithe and offering, but I want you to hear me. 15000 was already given towards the building fund so that we could start in Wicker Park. We had some debt. Whatever we don't clear, we're going to put towards that building fund and ask for people to give. Do you guys understand the plan? Amen. The bottom line is let's just give it all away to Jesus. Amen. Father, I thank you today for this church. I pray you bless Metro Praise as we change the nations. God, I thank you for every family here. I pray you bless them to be a blessing. Save their children, sons and daughters. Bless their job and their community. God, give our Congress wisdom to eliminate, God, the debt in our nation. And we pray that you will bless America and bless your church and our churches around the world. In Jesus' name, in everybody Amen. Shout to the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you as you give today, and we'll see you next week. God bless. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah.